Hello and welcome to the Rare Disease Cell and Gene Therapy Weekly Roundup. I'm your host, Aparna Krishnan. Every week, we at Partners for Access bring to you the most important news developments in the often drug cell and gene therapy world and what they mean to you. This week, we have a special guest speaker, Scott Doffman, Chief Executive Officer of non-profit gene therapy developer Odelia Therapeutics on his personal journey and the future in gene therapy development. Thank you, Scott, for joining us today at uh, Weekly Roundup. Can we start with uh, the focus on um, ultra-rare eye disorders at Odelia? What's the story behind it? Chosen ultra-rare eye disease um, for a variety of reasons, but the backstory to this is actually more more relevant. So uh, I was... uh, running uh, for many years, for 30 years. I started a company in 1984 that was an e-commerce logistics company and it grew fairly large um, and we were trading publicly on NASDAQ. Uh, It was about a $250 million uh, revenue company with about 2,500 employees. And we, uh, my wife and I, uh, found out that our children uh, at the time, seven years ago, had uh, a ultra-rare disease called Usher syndrome. Uh, We had thought they had had uh, just a profound hearing loss at birth, and that was connected to a uh, different gene. Uh, They started losing their vision when they went through adolescence, which is typical of that disease. Uh, And what it means is that they have um, hearing loss at birth, I mean, actually profound hearing loss, so they're deaf, Uh, vestibular or balance problems uh, from birth, and then as they go through adolescence into adulthood, they lose their vision. And so this set us out on a course to find... um, some therapies because there was absolutely nothing happening uh, in the field of Usher syndrome and the particular disease they have, the gene that they're associated with has approximately 300 people in the United States and approximately 3,000 people across the world that are affected by the disease. So we, uh, I put my company up for sale, I was able to sell it successfully and fund a foundation to, to um, seed science and invest in science around the world. Uh, we got lucky uh, a few years ago. One of those sciences um, became uh, came to fruition and showed really solid results in the lab. And we set out to uh, develop a clinical path uh, and hit a roadblock. When we found out that the cost to take this into the clinic would be about thirty million dollars, which was uh, inconceivable to us. And so from that, uh, we hit a, 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 a stopping point. Uh, I went out and really looked for a commercial sponsor. Uh, hundreds of, of pharma tech, uh, ph- pharmaceutical and biotech companies uh, to no avail. Uh, so we started thinking about that. I started thinking about not only is this a problem for us, but about not only just other families that we knew of with eye disease, but other families that had rare disease in general. And then having uh, a breakfast with one of my colleagues from Harvard at Mass Ear, Luke Vandenberg, I was talking to him at breakfast about a conceptual idea uh, of, of starting a biotech company that was that basically that was nonprofit but would be able to stimulate through a variety of mechanisms a for-profit um, environment around it to move these things into the clinic. And he he and I liked the idea. We sort of worked on it and uh, co-founded Odelia together along with Eric Pierce from Harvard. And um, so we developed it. I decided to uh, work pro bono as the chief executive officer, and which I've done for the last uh, two and a half years developing the concept, and we focused on rare eye disease uh, primarily for a couple of reasons. 
about how the company is looking to change uh, how rare disease treatments are brought through to clinical trials. What's this paradigm you're talking about? Why, why do you think you need to change that? So uh, the reason we wanted to go about changing the paradigm is that if there's a, a typical way uh, or the path to a clinical trial for a drug, generally starts with a larger prevalence of population. And then a pharmaceutical or a biotech company will invest in that particular drug because there's a business return or a commercial return for them to do so. And they don't mind investing in a few. If they have a couple of failures, then one or two are going to hit big and they're going to compensate for the ones that didn't go well. And an ultra-rare was may have a prevalence of 1,000 or 2,000 or even down to as little as 50 people that are affected by the disease. Uh, there's no commercial model to actually make a profit for a biotech or a pharmaceutical company. Mm-hmm. So, it re- so the paradigm of thinking about this had to change. And how would you stimulate for-profit companies to take on more of these ultra-rare diseases and the potential to use a non-profit as a, as a leverage or an advantage to do so and a, a lower their risk uh, threshold is, is what the point of Odilia is. Do you think this new approach is not being traditionally used in the industry? Is that why you're propagating it? Well, I think that from what we understood, there's not another concept. This is a novel idea of really taking a non-profit into the, uh, to promote um, commercialization of um, rare diseases. Mm. So I don't think it's been done. So we're sort of forging a new territory here of trying okay. to create a business model that really was not not only not even thought of, but uh, certainly not it did not exist anywhere else. So we're, we're forging in th- into areas that haven't been uh, explored. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're changing our path as we go from time to time to make certain that when we see an advantage, we take use of it mm-hmm. and then exploit it into a commercial uh, aspect so that we'll have more people take forward some of the rare diseases that we get left behind. Mm-hmm. And what happens to the failures? What happens to the drugs that don't or the targets that that don't go through? Well, that's a great question. And, and it's sort of the, the, the whole risk model for us is exactly that. So as a nonprofit company, one of the advantages, uh, distinct advantages, is that we can take the risk and the failure. So if you think about a company even such as Biogen, a very large multi-billion dollar market cap company that announces a failure uh, as, a, as it has happened recently publicly, mm-hmm. Uh, their stock lost a tremendous amount of value. And so a lot of the companies, the biotech, the pharmaceutical companies that live and die off of their public perception of how their drugs are doing, mm. uh, 
value and their ability to, to raise more money. So the risk reward for that had, uh, in terms of which targets they go after have to be substantially higher because if they're going to take a risk, they have to have a reward that's worth it. In an ultra-rare disease where there's not enough reward necessarily for the risk, if we can defer that risk to a nonprofit such as Odelia and let that risk happen in the failure, in, 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 uh, so if a drug were to fail and Odelia is the sponsor, then we can, without any issues, uh, we don't have a public persona that we have to worry about, a public stock, we don't have shareholders, uh, it doesn't affect us. The uh, commercial entity can go forward and never having uh, really anything uh, publicly to do with that particular failure. Is your funding affected by this at all? Um, actually, it's the uh, reverse. Our funding actually is helped by this. So the fact that there are companies out there that would like to take a little more risk, uh, but they don't want the public risk associated with it, um, because if they if they can use uh, Odelia sort of as the sponsor for de-risking that environment, uh, they're willing to put more money into it up front rather than just abandon it. So. We could take a commercial sponsor that wants to fund a trial mm. and is willing to put several million dollars into that because they don't have to worry about a failure going forward. If it is successful, then the good news is Odilia just lets them claw back the rights to it and they get to go forward with it. And they only get the good and not the bad and it makes it more commercializable. So not only are you looking at commercializing some in-house drugs, but also sponsoring other companies with their, uh, through a range of services. Is that correct? Uh, that's correct. So, you know, it's sort of a variety of things. As a, you know, the, as a nonprofit, and, and our mission is really just to move the rare disease out of the lab that has some proof of concept into clinical trials. So we'll do it any way we can. So if, if the best path for us is to de-risk it as becoming the sponsor uh, initially and having the financial sponsor fund the trial or, or the studies to trial mm-hmm. and then once it's successful getting to take it and move it forward that works uh, if the better answer is to use our network of services to allow them to lower their price uh, or lower their cost to take something to trial so be it uh, that's also helpful and it reduces that risk reward threshold so they can take more into the clinic that they might not have. So whatever means solves the problem or solves the issue or, or, or moves our mission forward, which is really just to move sciences that we have proven out in the lab and get more of them into humans. That's really the bottom line. And if we can help that in any way, mm-hmm. and if we don't help it, mm-hmm. if we're not able to really provide value, then we don't need to be involved. Let, let someone else do it. Could you give us an idea of what your portfolio looks like now? Right. Okay. So I would say we have a, a pipeline right now of six. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are still in the final stages of uh, preclinical proof. Uh, we have uh, two that are moving into the clinic in terms of IMD enabling studies, uh, both of which have sponsors in it. And that particular model, both of those sponsors work in that de-risk environment where they're asking Odelia be the sponsor uh, up until a point and so during these IMD enabling studies in the phase one phase two trial uh, they're they're leveraging uh, uh, Odelia's uh, discount network uh, resource network and then on the same time we we are the sponsor and once we show uh, and, uh, and, and where this turns 
commercialize it under their own umbrella. So we have two of those, and then we have, uh, I would say, four of our other targets are in various stages where we're providing assistance um, or just helping the lab move forward, uh, providing uh, technical ex- expertise, um, some of our brain t- trust of how to set up a clinical strategy so that they don't fall into some pitfalls that have happened to other uh, investigators or other academics as they move their science forward to get it ready for the clinic. Do you find yourself at any point competing with other biotechs? Well, you know, it's really interesting that you say that. It's a great, great perception. And, you know, as I go into any meeting with anyone, I basically tell them we don't compete with anyone. And that is the truth, because at the end of the day, we want to be the lowest rung on the ladder. And I mean that in that if anyone else will move a disease target forward, we want to help them any way we can, let them do it. Uh, it's those targets in which no one wants to, you know, the diseases that are being left behind that we want to address. That's our mission. So if someone else has an interest in a target and wants to move it forward and they don't need Odelia, uh, that's one less for us to have to deal with. So okay. it's, it's one of the, actually, the, the biggest door openers I can have when I'm, I'm working with someone that would be theoretically a competitor. When I say, look, we're not, we're not competing with anyone here. Uh, we'll give you our data. We'll give you any knowledge as long as you're going to move the, 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 the disease forward. We'll support you any way you want. You can have you can have the intellectual property. You can have anything you need as long as you move it forward. So gene therapies, there are particular concerns in terms of um, access, pricing, reimbursement, those sort of areas. And also some uncertainty, especially in terms of long-term data in terms of safety and efficacy. What are your thoughts? How do you think Odelia will help overcome some of these concerns? You know, what we feel, and I think what uh, the, the, uh, both clinicians and the and, uh, investigators and scientists that we work with would all sort of opine with, is that you know, safety comes first. So you know, the, the, the uh, field had a, uh, a setback due to uh, really not controlling safety um, many years ago, and it set the field back and I think there's a lot of attention uh, on, on safety first. Uh, in fact, uh, as we look at vectors that deliver gene therapy, um, which are viral vectors, um, even though there's novel vectors out there and we, we actually support some of them that we feel are safe, but if we have the choice of um, using a vector that has been proven in a human and has been proven safe, uh, over a vector that is new, uh, but maybe even has is more optimistic in terms of the expression. I think we'd always yield to the one that's been proven in humans first, as long as there's some thera- therapeutic value to it. So I think from the safety side, I think there's a lot of focus, a lot of thought uh, behind it, uh, making certain that we're safe first. I think, and as a result of that, uh, it does affect efficacy in that. Uh, oftentimes we may not have the most or the, the best delivery system because we're looking for the safest first. Mm. Uh, but I think that all, all catches up with itself. So if you really look at it, and uh, in, in rather than in a uh, you know, short period of time, and, and in science, a short period of time could be two to five years, uh, we could look at it in a, sort of a macro look uh, and say, all these are the building blocks. So as we go forward, as long as we can stay safe, we're going to have, I would say, a variety of efficacy results, good and bad. Uh, I know of several trials that 
from Odelia. Thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. I enjoyed being here and thanks for the opportunity. And that's it for this week. For more news and analysis, go to our website www.partnersforaccess.com Subscribe to our podcast on Apple and Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review. Thanks for listening. See you next week.